Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Got a little something special for you. Uh, you've heard me say his name multiple times in, in multiple episodes of this show. My dear friend uh, and former teammate uh, who's going to be joining me, Doug Mirabelli, uh, is going to be joining me shortly. And hopefully you're going to laugh as much as we do because it's going to be fun and funny. Uh, drafted uh, by the Giants, uh, very high draft pick. Uh, spent most of his career as a, uh, a backup catcher, which is not an easy thing to do. Very much is, uh, from an importance perspective, backup catchers were backup quarterbacks. You have to have one. He has to be ready. He ha And if you don't have a good one, uh, you miss a beat. And Dougie was good. Uh, so anyway, uh, stay tuned, catch up, and, and hopefully you'll have some good laughs with us. Dougie, how you doing, buddy? Okay, Curdy, what's going on? Nothing, nothing. So I, I, I gave you all your props and accolades introducing you way more than you ever deserved. For those of you that I, I, I know I've talked about this, um, uh, Doug and I have stayed in touch. We're, we're, uh, there's just too much time and too many people you play with to stay in touch with everybody, but there are a select few that you do, and he and I have always uh, kind of stayed in touch. How about the game? Have you been involved in the game? And, and if so, in what capacity at all? And do you want to be involved in the game? Um, I'm an involved the game uh, as a fan, uh, you know, um, so I have a, a really good friend. His name's uh, Steve Soderstrom. Uh, we've been, uh, we came up in the minor leagues uh, together um, with the Giants in the uh, early to mid nineties. And we've been uh, kind of like you and I have been, we've been in uh, constant contact since, uh, you know, playing together forever. So our right. families kind of grew up together. The girls and his uh, sons are been friends for a long time. And so his son was drafted two years ago. Uh, he was the first pick for the uh, A's in 2020. One, I believe, uh, just made his major league debut. Uh, oh, really? Three, maybe four or five days ago with the A's. So he's a catcher, left-handed hitting catcher. He's 21 years old. He was killing it in AAA. Uh, he kind of make just fast track to through the because he can just just crush. He just well, crush for a catcher. That's insanely fast. Yeah. So he's hitting 20. He was he had 20 jacks in Las Vegas uh, this year, and so uh, my fandom now is with them so i just like right. i want to watch him and see how well he does and you know uh i'd get the mlb package just to go watch the a's play which right. not too many people are doing at this point i don't think right. um probably by design right <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm uh i'm, I'm kind of the same way in the sense that uh, you remember dave hollands his uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. his son's probably going to be the I, I think he'll be the number one pick in the draft next year um left-handed hit switch hitting first baseman with with unbelievable pop and a left-handed pitcher, low nineties. Uh, he's the first kid I've ever seen that, that has Otani like capability. Oh, wow. um, he's a Where's senior he in high school, six, okay. four, two twenty five, like ripped like Dave yeah. Holland. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he's in South Carolina right now, uh, but they're getting ready for their senior year. But he's, he's going to be something special, but I'm with you. I, I've, I follow the game uh, obviously for the show. Um, I, I marvel at the amount of talent, but I weep at where the game is going. Um, it, it's hard to watch anymore, uh, especially as a pitcher for me. I can't – I have a hard time watching, you know, a, a, a litany of throwers go out there and throw 98 as hard as they can and really not care where the ball goes um, and then have people talk about how awesome it is when the starting pitcher comes out in the sixth inning and tips his cap after going five and a third. It makes me – I have acid reflux when I watch that. Um, 
but uh so uh one of the so I, I i do a lot of storytelling on here and uh funny stuff and i've told people you made my list you were at the top of my list of five funniest teammates um for all the reasons that you yeah. and i can chuckle about um yeah. most of them not we can't talk about them um but <laughs> my what well, you're going to tell the story because it, only you can tell it this way the the story that ends with your bare ass on the back seat of a cop car getting in your Boston Red Sox uniform uh, is one of the greatest trade stories in the history of Major League Baseball. So uh, real quick to set up, guys. So so uh, Doug and I were together in Boston, and he ended up getting uh, traded. He was in San Diego, uh, and he he was uh, Tim Wakefield <laughs> was a uh, 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 knuckleballer, and Doug had magic hands. And it's it, for those of you who don't know, it's like catching trying to catch a butterfly with chopsticks, uh, catching a knuckleballer. And uh, he was as good as anybody at it. Anyway, we, we traded back for him. I, I want you to explain, first of all, how you heard about it, uh, and then the process by which you got back to being behind the plate, literally out of the back of a cop car. So, I mean, to set this up, uh, you know, um, even when I got traded to San Diego, I my heart was still there. Oh, yeah. All my buddies were there, and um, yeah, I was excited about going to San Diego for the fact that I might get some more playing time, but that quickly, before spring training happened, that quickly uh, uh, dissolved as they signed Mike Piazza maybe three days, <laughs> three weeks before, you know, uh, camp started. So uh, I was in the same situation in San Diego back at Mike Piazza, and I'm like, man, why am I? you know, why, how am I here? I should be in Boston still catching there. So I always kept tabs kind of, uh, you know, as a fan of, of all the, my teammates, former teammates. And, and every time Wakey would pitch, it was like, he would, he would throw six, seven innings, you know, give up two runs and get a, get a loss, you know, and it, and it typically was because of either a, a pass ball of some sort or just, you know, yeah. unfortunately, uh, uh, it just wasn't working out. So I was just like, man, I'm wondering how long this is going to go on because it was at the point where the red, when we were really, we just won a world series a couple of years before that we were still right there yep. with a lot of talent. Like how long are they going to let this happen? So, uh, so May, um, May 1st, um, let's see here. May 1st. Yeah, it, that first month of the season, it was, it was tough because, yeah, you know, tech was getting his days off and, 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 it was just, it's again, it's an art. Catching a knuckleballer is an art. As few knuckleballers as there are, there are probably just as few catchers who can comfortably sit back there and catch them. And you had a reputation and, uh, you know, uh, Wakey would say he could throw to anybody, but I don't think anybody would say that they could catch him. Uh, it's very yeah. different. And the pass ball wild pitch thing was legit. And it was a tough, and, and you certainly don't want to embarrass somebody sure. uh, by sticking them back there. Josh Bard, who was trying to catch him at first, uh, didn't go well um, yep. and, and no, through no fault of his own again it's just it's just incredibly hard to do so so we end up I I, I remember hearing rumors that you know uh, you might be coming back and I'm kind of laughing about the thought of you know oh god that would be awesome but I, I didn't really know that it was going to happen and then all of a sudden bam yeah yeah uh, uh, Kevin Towers was a GM at the with San Diego at the time and uh, I got a call at eight o'clock in the morning uh, San Diego time and they're like well we just trade you back to, to, to Boston. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This isn't a joke. Right. And he's like, Nope. <laughs> uh, Jack, Jack McCormick, uh, you know, travel secretary, he'll be calling you here, setting up everything. Boom. You know, you're traded. Good luck. 
So I immediately get a call from Jack uh, now 15 minutes later saying, okay, here's the deal. We, we got a private plane waiting for you at the airport. It'll be there at 10 o'clock. Um, get on that plane and we're flying you back to Boston. Yeah. To it's for you, that, for those of you who don't know, that's not normal. Normally you get traded, you get your stuff, you hop on a flight, mate, you'll be first class, of course, and you fly to yeah. the city to meet. The urgency was that Wakey was actually pitching that night. That's so right. they wanted Doug behind the plate when the game started. Doug's on the West Coast. We're on the East Coast. And, and <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, on top of it, it was uh, Johnny Damon's first game back after playing for the Yankees. Right. So he's coming back to Boston. And man, you know, Theo's <laughs> like, we, we, we're winning this game. We're not going to lose this game. because of the <laughs> so, um, 10 o'clock shows up. Uh, meet the uh, pilots there. They're like, hey, uh, we're going to get you there as, as fast as we can. Um, you know, this is about a six-hour, six-and-a-half-hour flight, and I'm looking at 10 o'clock. That's 1 o'clock in Boston. That's a 7.30, between 7 and 7.30 touchdown. I'm like, that, uh, touch, you know, down. We're, we're not going to make it. So he's like, we might have to stop in, uh, you know, Kansas somewhere and refuel. I'm like, well, we're, we're just not making this thing. This is no right. way. So we jump on, and uh, for the first, you know, three or four hours, it's just me kicked back by myself, you know, two pilots up there and me in this plane, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's a mid-size uh, <laughs> plane. It's a pretty big plane, right? Yeah. It's, it's built for probably 12, you know, and it's just me back there. It's kind of boring. I'm reading every bit of literature I could, but um, – we started getting close to Cleveland and uh, the pilot comes back and he's like, Hey, we just got clearance uh, straight over Cleveland. So that's going to save us some time. I'm like, sweet. Um, so as we start to come into New York's airspace, yeah. the pilot hey, by the back. way, by the way, let's just interrupt and, and realize that this is the world we live in. The, the Red Sox reached out to to Cleveland air authorities and asked to get special permission for a private jet to fly through and uh, not around, but through their airspace. Yeah. So their catcher could make a seven 30 start in Boston. How awesome is that? <laughs> yeah. A seven 30 start that a game starts at seven Oh seven. How awesome is that? Oh right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're on ESPN. I we're starting at seven Oh seven. Okay. So um, <laughs> we start to approach New York and here comes this pilot back again. He's like, Listen, I don't know who you are, but we just got cleared to go straight through New York's airspace. I've carried hearts and livers and never had this much clearance in my life. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Oh, uh, I said, hey, whatever you do, don't tell them who is in here because yeah, they're, no. they're going to make people around. So, or they were going to rerouted you to Camden. That's right. Yeah, you're going to have to go through uh, Canada here. Come on down. <laughs> so, we start going through New York and, you know, heck, we're getting in close into uh, uh, to Boston. And I look out the window and that's about when it hit me. I realized I, I see, a, I see a, a row of airplanes that are lined up from Boston to Rhode Island. I mean, there's, right. I mean, there's 50 of them. We're coming in sideways on them and we get cleared to land. We take a hard left in turn, hit the ground at like Mach 3. <laughs> and the brakes on and uh, here i am cruising into uh taxiing into the the private airplane you know uh stop there and the hangar i see the i see a, a explorer police officer 
he jumps out of the, the, uh, the his Explorer and has carrying a duffel bag of my uniform. And I'm like, man, this, <laughs> this, this, this just got real, you know? Yeah. Now, hey, we, at what point, what point during the flight did you realize, oh my God, I might make this? Yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. New York. I started looking at my, at my watch and, you know, don't forget, we, we weren't sure we were going to make it on the gas, you know, right. we, were like, we might have to refuel. So um, that's when I started. And, I, and I, a lot of feelings started coming through, you know, at the same time. But I jumped out of the plane. I'm like, look, we don't have time for me to change the plane right now. We're just going to have to get going. We, we, we hit the ground at 647. Okay. And, you know, yeah. to get from Logan to the to Fenway uh, at that time on Yankee uh, series, it's impossible. So right. we we jump in there and I start changing, and this guy, I mean, he the police took some heat. I don't know if you remember this over this. Oh trip. yeah, because he's like, we're using you know these uh, these resources to get a backup catcher to the Fenway play, play against the Yankees. You know that's how serious it was. Right, right, right. So we're going down Storrow Drive. Cars are just like partying like the Red Sea. <laughs> the Red I Sea. Up, I look up and there's a helicopter over the top of us. <laughs> they're filming me coming in like i was oj simpson <laughs> i i just i'm like what is going on here so i get clothed i i i, I get full uni i don't have any spikes on uh, we we roll in and and when i get out of the car it's like the crowd heard yes. the police car roll in and it just went nuts so um after like uh the ninth or tenth first pitch that they threw out that night yes you know, yes i remember you coming through the tunnel though yeah. i remember you coming through the tunnel well, you were in the batting cage you you, you threw like five balls to loosen yeah. up yeah, and exactly. you literally came out of the tunnel without a cup on yes. and your gear and it was like hey doug you on the field game I had Willie Mopena's uh, three-quarter hit top uh, spikes right. on. No, but I yeah. mean, you literally came out of the back of the police car and were squatted behind on plate in less than five minutes. People understand. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so then I go out to the plate, right? And I'm running out and the crowd's like, okay, you get this incredible feeling of the right. crowd just like cheering for you. But then you're like, they traded for you for a reason, right? Like, right. You've now got to go catch Wakefield that you have not seen right. a pitch from in over seven months. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they want you to do this on ESPN against right, the without, Yankees. And don't drop one. Don't drop any. Right. Uh, first pitch, warm-up pitch, fastball, fastball. Then he goes into a set of like four knuckleballs, okay? First, you know, obviously catch the fastball. The first knuckleball hits my glove, drops straight down in front of me. The yes. whole crowd, the whole yes. crowd is going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Is this going to be like this? Oh, <laughs> I catch the second one. They all cheer. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So we yeah. get the warm ups, and I'm—I mean, I'm as nervous as I could possibly be, you know, behind the awesome. of all what's going on here. And um, so I, um, uh, Johnny Damon leads off. Yes. He comes up and, he's, and I'm like, sweet. All right, we're about to get this thing going. And he swings at like the first pitch. And pops it up, I think, to the second baseman. And uh, I'm like, okay, all right, we got yeah. through the first one. But it, it it was like their game plan was like, let's swing early at this guy. And yeah. it just allowed me to kind of get in that rhythm of the game. And like those nerves went away. But man, I, there, there I wasn't can't even imagine what it was like because it was surreal to watch it. 
Yeah. Like yeah. people don't understand. Like you literally came out of the back of the police cruiser, ran down the tunnel in Fenway, yeah. got in the batting cage, threw like eight throws to warm up, had your gear on, went on the field, and you're playing on ESPN, the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, and and again Johnny Damon's first game back, yeah. Sunday night baseball. It's like biggest rivalry ever. Yep. Yeah, and, and people and just the, didn't, yeah in the heyday of like Red Sox Yankees, right? Right, there. right. Yeah. When when there was still a rivalry, yeah. When we we really really didn't like. It. Tech was still putting gloves in A-Rod's face. You know, it's like... Right. So, um, oh, one of my favorites ever. And I always tell people one of the things that... that, uh, And I'm curious to hear you talk about this. One of the things that that made... And I I loathe saying anything kind about you to your face, but I'm going to have to for this piece. Uh Um, uh, One of my favorite things about you was your ability... So so doing what you did in the big leagues, being a... a, And I don't want to say backup because you were a starter in the sense... Well, in the sense that... You know, you had Wakey 35 times a year, yeah. which I, I think was perfect for, for a catching situation in the sense that Tech got his rest and you got to play. And in 1993, when we went to the World Series with the Phillies, and in 2004, we went to the World Series um, with the Red Sox. Both seasons, it's not a coincidence that the backup catcher, Todd Pratt in, in Philly and you, had what I would call mo- monster seasons for a backup catcher. The numbers that you guys put up, there was no break in production and, and which is because again, you're talking about a fifth of the schedule. It's not more 30 some games. And, um, but it, but then also we're all alpha males. We all come from a place where we're the best and we're getting drafted and, and having, I don't know that you accept the role, but how do you go from being a, a, a you know, all American in Wichita state superstar high draft pick to, I'm not going to play every day. How do you get to that mentality? First of all, and secondly, how do you get, how do you stay good at it? Uh, you know, I got asked that question a lot. Like, hey, do you, how, how do you, are you, you know, do you accept this role as a backup? And my thought was this: Look, I, whatever role I was playing on that team, you know, um, I wanted to be the best at it that I possibly could. So, um, you know, Tech obviously had a, um, you know, he was he was a great player for us there. I mean, he was our captain, and um, and I felt. I felt like this sense of respect because he respected me from what I did right. too. So there was this like, you know, brotherhood there between the two of us. That, there is nobody more protective of the second catcher than the, than the starting catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Recognizing how hard your job is. Yeah. And so, um, man, every time I went out to play, I was like focused on being the best I could. I did not yeah. want to be the person or I didn't want to be back there and we lose every time we play. Obviously that's not a thing. And, um, but I also wanted to like, let's keep it going. You know, let's, you know, right. Wakey, I was out there for Wakey out there too. I'm like, you know, if he does well, I do well. And you know, it, it was, it was a team effort there too. So I think our best year, I mean, um, Wakey was like 17 or 18 games he won. And I'm like, right. man, he was almost 40 years old. I think that time when he did that. Right. <clears throat> no. Pretty- yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's always i laugh at a lot of people who say you know why don't why don't more people throw knuckleballs because it seems like that's just an easy way to get to the big leagues and it's like yeah yeah go ahead go for it give it a shot yeah right 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 but but no and and i think one of the big things was because again i'm gonna mention todd pratt you you guys were very similar in the sense that um from a leadership perspective for for me one of the things that i always loved about you and admired about you was it didn't matter the status of a teammate of yours. You would say things to anybody uh, and, and they weren't offensive. They weren't mean. Yeah, there yeah, were things yeah. sometimes that had to get said. And there were conversations that you had that maybe I think a lot of people don't picture you being the guy having them. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that that was a, a to me, that's a very powerful piece because the leaders, I always say that it, true leadership has nothing to do with statistics. You, you, you know, it, it has everything to do with character. And, you know, in both those markets, Philadelphia and in Boston, um, you know, they always say you had to play three games. You had to play the media pregame, you had to play the game, and then you had to play the media postgame. Uh, and there were a lot of uh, uh, balls to juggle um, for, for different players. And for somebody like me, who, uh, you know, was very quiet and reserved and didn't talk to the media a lot. Um, you know, I, uh, well, I, I, which is horrible sarcasm. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, I had to learn the hard way, but for somebody like you, I mean, how did you, because again, I think it was a huge deal. I think it was a huge deal that you were a voice in the clubhouse and, and the comfort that you had being that and doing that. And, and, you know, how did that come to be? How did you come to be that guy? So I think here's what happened. I, I, I got over to the uh, Red Sox in 2001. We weren't very good. Um, I kind of, uh, uh, that's where I started really to develop um, my bond with Wakefield. Um, there was just a lot of pieces on that team. I that, remember 25 guys, 25 calves, right? That was yeah. one of the, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, the next year, um, uh, 2002, they started to, uh, changes it up a little bit and we started getting in some really good guys and um, not that the guys that were left were not but they we just didn't work well together right. you know? and um, so as I stayed and other people left I was part of that nucleus that was still part of that you know team and so I always felt like you know for me like it's a lot easier to be in the party than, than show up to the party and try to fit in with somebody right so right. I'm, I'm here I'm already there I kind of know how stuff works um, I can be that guy that helps you, you know, get through there, but there's also guys that I always felt, um, there's always a few guys that always take themselves a little bit too serious, you know, right. let's not forget, like, Hey, we're playing baseball here, right. right? You know, we're not, we're not saving lives. We're so because you, you know, you, because the media, you know, maybe puts a label on you and you're a superstar, that doesn't mean you're actually any different than me. And right. so I, it, it just was one of those things that it was a lot easier. And um, I think that when new guys came in, they had respect of the, of the nucleus. So when you have the backing of a, a Jason Veritek or, um, you know, Kurt Schilling or, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier for a guy like me who has the voice that wants to use it. But, uh, you know, it's when they know that I'm backed by, some big guys on that team too it, it does make it a lot easier yeah yeah and that's something i noticed too and one of the things that that i i always cherish about you is and i always use the line you know doug was the guy who could make us laugh in customs at toronto after a nine nothing drubbing on sunday night baseball and he would say something so stupid that it was hilarious and and in a 180 day schedule over six months, uh, the grind, I, I still argue it's the hardest schedule in sports to compete and be good at. Um, you have to have those people because if it's too serious, if it's too uh, tightly wound, uh, you have bad stuff happen. I mean, we had fights. We had, we had scuffles and all the things that a family has. But that guy who could sit on the back of the bus and say something stupid and rip on anybody, uh, uh, especially the rookies, um, <laughs> was a special guy and and that was uh were you that guy in college i think i've been that guy kind of like i, I mean that's I, again you can't really fake personality right right right, right. Like, you can't really fake that because you know guys see through that 
Like, you know. And we see through that stuff quicker than anything because we're lied to in most of our lives that that yeah. you notice the reels and the fakes. Yeah, like, so let's not, let's not uh, uh, mistake. I wasn't like trying to be the tough guy on the team. That's not, right. no, no, no. Yeah. my guy, my, my, I felt like my part of it was let's, let's keep this thing light. And if you're right. taking yourself a little bit too serious, let's, uh, uh, yeah. let me, let me work Take on it. Let me work on it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you'll remember you're the same guy that was, um, you know, eight years old, dry, you know, sliding right. in the dirt, loving the game and, you know, that's how we all got here. You know, we well, all- and I think too, you and I both came up in a generation, the last generation of of treat rookies like crap and uh, uh, you know bully them and and you know earn your way. And we always had an earn your way, but it was different. I think when we when when we were the veterans in the sense that we didn't make rookies miserable. And yeah, we did jokes every now and then, but it was never something to make people feel bad about themselves. Because I remember as a young player, like rookies got treated like crap. And yeah. when I say crap, I mean I remember Greg Jeffries and the and the horrible things that the Mets did to him, and and I think I think a lot of guys had their careers changed and not for the better because of that. And you know now I think it's gone way too far the other way, where you know the stupid stuff going on and and the, the entitlement that rookies come to the big leagues with uh, used to be one in a million, now it's one in two, and and uh, it, it shows, um, and. That was that you know that's was one of the things I wanted to ask you before we we close it out. The new rules. I was a guy who said the pitch clock was going to be a big deal for for guys that suck because good pitchers don't need, don't worry about the clock. They work fast anyway. Um, yeah. But the shift I was curious about. I think that's had a massive impact. But the place where I was most curious about would probably would have impacted you the most. The new ru- the rules around base running and only two pickoff throws yeah. and. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, you give Deion Sanders that second pickoff throw and he gets a one-way lead. He's going to be halfway to second base. Yeah. Like, how? I don't know how much you, you want, but, but how does that impact? How does, how does that new rule play into a catcher's mentality? Well, you know, uh, as a catcher, I was always anticipating every pitch that somebody was stealing anyways. But now, you know, now you know. Now you know, like, hey, after that second one, I mean, we got a base right. runner. For, he's going, right? right. I mean, there's a um, it, it 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 does speed up the game. I, I I will give back that you know. Are, are you for that pitch clock uh, deal? You know what? I, I I was indifferent to it. I here, here's my argument against the pitch clock. With the pitch clock, we would have never had Kirk Gibson moment. We would have never had Joe Carter's moment. We would have never had multiple moments that will Carlton Fisk. Because if you go back and look at those moments, the the thing that drew them out was the the length of time that that event took place. Kurt, you know, it seems like Kirk Gibson's at bat was five minutes long. Now, it probably wasn't, but I guarantee you there were a bunch of pitch clock violations in the middle of that, not to mention he stepped out and all the other things. Um, I think we've lost some of those moments. I don't know how much uh, and and what, um, but but some of those moments are gone. And that was the thing. Baseball, to me, was always the only sport left without a clock. Uh, and that changed. But games are over in two and a half hours. Fans love it, so it worked. And, yeah. and I was wrong. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. I, I, like I said, my was more concerned about like, I would have been Max Scherzer in spring training. I would have been testing the limits of the pitch clock. I would have been finding out how the umpires are going to, you know, because you and I both know it, the hard, fast rules for umpires to reinforce were never a problem. It was always the stuff where they had the gray era, use your discretion. 
Yeah. Well, no, umpires don't want to use their discretion. They want to be told how to up the game so they don't because if they use their discretion, they're going to get in trouble. And and so yeah, no, I, I the clock thing, but the base running thing to me was massive. That was the big one for me. And you see, stolen bases are up something like thirty or forty percent, um, yeah. which you know, and base runners steal off me anyway, right? They don't you don't steal off the catcher, you steal off the pitcher, and so and, and I argued that there's far too many pitchers coming to the big leagues who don't know how to hold runners now, as opposed to when I was young because I spent a whole season learning it in the minor leagues. Guys now. You know, this Paul Skeens kid, $9.2 million. How many innings in the minor leagues do you think he's going to pitch before he gets his debut? And I don't think that's good for him. Yeah. Well, you can't even hold the ball long enough because then you're going to have a pitch clock violation, right? So, that, you know, part, that was part a of tactic. Holding, yeah, part of, hold, part of holding runners on where the, the, when a run, base runner gets to first base, he wants to go. Like, he's he's trying to go. And if you 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 allow him to time you, like, and he can count 1, 1,000, 2,000, and go every time, he gets a great jump, but yep. the really good pitchers, not only did they have good pickup moves, but they could vary their times on hold the ball, throwing quick, slide step. They can mix all that stuff up. Nowadays, heck, yep. if you hold the ball too long. Well, I always said one of the most effective tools ever for holding base runners was just holding the baseball because yeah. base runners hated that because they got they got heavy on their feet. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I you know, I had a place where I would say, okay, I'm going to hold till timeout. So I would hold until somebody called timeout. Now, if I do that, when the clock hits 20, the runner's going. Yeah. Clock, you know what I'm saying? There, I can't throw. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. It's taken a lot out of the game, but I, you know, you can, you can't argue with the fact the fans love it. So it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. I guess I'm a big fan of the two and a half hour game. I mean, yeah. I was, yeah. I, mean, well, yeah. I love playing in those games. It just yeah. felt like everything flowed better. And, uh, yeah. you know, you well, yeah. And that happened once every four weeks in Boston yeah. because we were playing the Yankees and those are five hour games. Plus, you're you're what? You're almost 80 years old now, so you want to be in bed by seven. That's right. That's right. Dinner by five, in bed by seven. Pepto Bismol and go to sleep. <laughs> uh, Dougie, there's one one other thing I want to ask you about, uh, and I, I I've laughed ever since I've seen it. Um, but this whole wristwatch, where the catcher and the pitcher can communicate with that, like, yeah, I don't even understand it. They got your piece. Well, I, I, I mean, first of all. I'm going to be saying, hey, first of all, don't you click a pitch. I'll tell you what I'm going to throw. Yeah. yeah number right. one. But, but number two, like, 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 part, like, like the, like the cutter you threw to, uh, you don't, uh, <laughs> don't, you don't have to go there. See, he's getting ready to talk about Shannon Stewart and a no hitter in the bottom of the ninth, two outs where I shook off tech is the only pitch. Yeah. Uh, I knew you'd do. I knew that was where you would go. This is a cutter way. Hey, hold on, cutter way real fast. There, yeah, there it is. <laughs> But um, it's pretty good. Not bad. Back again, part of part of the strategy was shaking, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. there were hitter. That was part of the game where I would shake four times for a fastball, or or not shake at all for a two zero curveball or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That that's gone. I don't know that. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't. I, you know. But when you're banging garbage cans to tip pitches and using scoreboards like we knew the White Sox were doing uh, in the old Chicago Park, I guess that's that's cheating uh and yeah. they fixed that i don't how do you feel about that well i mean from a from a from a defensive standpoint like you know we always thought the guy in second base was doing something right so you're always like i mean how much time did it take for me to keep on coming out to you and go dude i think he's got him at second base and right you know, now i gotta go back there and let's go you know first sign after two you know right. whatever it's like you know uh from that standpoint 
I understand why they want to do it. They're just trying to take away any edge from the, the from the offense from from stealing signs, which I felt like stealing signs from second base was was part of the game. Right? Absolutely. Like you Absolutely. You can steal them from first base. You can steal them from third base. Yep. You can steal them from second. I don't care. But where that was also a skill for the catcher to to keep the signs covered, protected, and mixed and up. It was, a, it was a skill from the base runner, right, to try to figure out this, the signs, you know. But unfortunately, um, it wasn't like you were on second base. So let, let's make sure. Like, we all have video cameras of the game, right? So right. those guys are going in between innings and looking at the signs. Right. And so they're like, hey – if you get to second base, he's going, you know, you know, third sign or he's going whatever, you know, he's nine after three. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're telling him before that. So it's not like they're on second base and they're figuring this out. Right. Uh, no. And we would change it up. Right. We would change it up because we knew Alex was a guy who tried to, to, to get signs and Joey, Cor Alex Cora was the best I ever saw at it. Um, and there were certain guys who were phenomenal at it, but it was also a skill for that bench player that kept the, them in the game and kept their value up. Was that yeah. extra stuff that they did, and that was part of it? Yeah, yeah. So Carlos Delgado was unbelievable. Really? Yeah, he got second base. He's like, it's like to you know, two pitches in, he knows what sign you're going. I don't know how he did it, but I was like, yeah. Man. Well, maybe no. maybe it was more myth than anything, but it sure looked like he knew what the heck. Yeah, he was doing. yeah. No, I think it was a gift. And then there were guys at the plate who didn't want it. Don't tell yeah. me because if yeah. you screw me once, I'm gonna yeah, get my. I never trust you again. It's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> if I know eight out of ten pitches, I'd be happy with that. How about right. that? Right. It's just the two that you don't know that you dive for that slider away and the fastball yeah. at your chin comes in and you're. Why do you run on strike three? You know, like, why do you. you, <laughs> keep on, you, you miss that one. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think, uh, again, I mean, this whole world is turned with the, with the technology that we have yeah. nowadays. And, um, you know, I think teams are just trying to keep up from the, yeah. the, the Astros doing that, you know, totally changed how people look. Well, at I mean, come on. That was, yeah, that was, that was cheating. Um, you know, it was stupid. Uh, and it was also stupid to think that you were going to get away with it. And no one was ever going to find out like, you know, it, it's just, it, we aren't very forward thinking athletes in that sense. Uh, cause we're living in the moment. It's interesting that it took a, a, a former player, right. To, to, to well, out of, when everybody knew what was going on, like they could hear it. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like if, if I'm, if I'm an opponent, I would have known three pitches in what the hell was going on because there's a trash can. Somebody's banging a trash can. Like, that's not a normal sound. Loud. Right. Wow. Loud enough for the hitter to hear it. Like, come on. That's like busting the urinal on Wrigley Field next to the bench every time someone's throwing a breaking ball. Like, how did... in, this day, in this day and age of how many people switch teams all the time? Right, you, right, right. right. You, you keep that secret? Like, what do you, like, that, that's not very smart. I mean, no. I don't know. No. 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 I mean, it wasn't, it was cheating, but I just, you're just not, it's just not even smart that you thought no. that somebody wasn't going to say something hey dougie it's uh, by the way uh dougie goes deep.com is the greatest website in history by the way uh, i yes i pointed people oh, to that and, oh my god i still laugh at that today uh it's always a pleasure my friend i love you right. it's great to yeah, hear from you. you look great please yeah. tell the kids and the wife we said hello and uh, i'll sure. catch up with you soon my friend okay all right good talk to you guys all right buddy all right, we'll see you. all right Thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, Outkick.com. Anywhere you guys get podcasts, you can get the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. Uh, obviously, we'd prefer Outkick.com, but Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can check us out. You guys have a great weekend. I'll catch up. <laughs>